I speak to you in the name of the living God, blessed Trinity, and lover of your souls. Amen. Imagine with me you're driving in the car on a long road trip or a long walk with someone you care for, someone who cares for you. It's that friend or partner or family member who seems to know you before you know yourself. You too have likely had plenty of conversations, always on the same vital topics, right? How was your day, school, work, the kids, parents? And this conversation begins as they all do, and then the normal drone of words stops. Like the moment the familiar hum of your home's furnace conks out unexpectedly in winter. The pause today is a little too long and alarming. Your tongue is suddenly as dry as desert sand and your words seem blocked by a giant lump in your throat. You swallow so loudly you're sure the Westsiders heard it. <laughs> because you know you have something to say something you haven't wanted to share, something you have wanted to share. It's just hard because you know this one thing you have to say, well, it will change everything. You've been here, haven't you? If not in real life, in your mind, did you say the thing? Or did you choose to remain unknown? How'd it go? I ask because Joseph in today's Old Testament reading, he is here in the car moment right now. Today's text begins with these ancient Hebrew words, pull the car over. <laughs> Joseph could no longer control himself before all those who stood before him. And he cried out, send everybody away from me. And then he made himself known. What does that mean? He made himself known. I had an undergraduate professor of Hebrew who wrote his entire dissertation on this one idea of making yourself known. The Hebrew word for knowing, it assumes a mutual exchange is happening. The one who makes themselves known expects that the other will in turn be affected even changed by that knowing. Knowing is not something either party does with their heads alone. They do it with their whole selves. And part of being affected in your whole self means that what you now know is going to change the way that you act. Knowing who someone really is, it doesn't just change your perception of them, it changes you. Joseph made himself known, and it changed everything. And he needed all that change because until this point in his story, he had been living his life out of the trauma of the past. Now, trauma has become a more culturally acceptable word these days. It's defined by mental health professionals as the lasting emotional response that often results from living through a distressing event. Experiencing a traumatic event can harm a person's sense of safety, 
sense of self, the ability to regulate their own emotions and navigate their relationships. Today is the moment Joseph talks about his own story and those who hurt him most. See, the person Joseph is in the car with is not just family to him, it's also the ones who have done him the most harm. Joseph made himself known to his brothers. He was 17 when his first real trauma happened. And like all traumas, it's not an easy story to absorb if you weren't the one doing the experiencing. Joseph's brother sold him into slavery when he was a teenager. They rejected him, they objectified him, they monetized him, and they left him for dead. Over the next dozen years or so, Joseph found himself in and out of jail, losing favor in the eyes of various people in power, but finding favor in the eyes of his peers and in the eyes of God. Joseph honorably worked his way up through the ranks of Pharaoh's slaves and became the most powerful man in all of Egypt, second only to the king. And this is the moment when Joseph's story converges again with his brothers. Joseph's job is to oversee Egypt's food stores during the regional famine. He decided who would live or die and how much living was going to cost someone. Joseph's brothers come to Egypt seeking food, and as they approach Joseph, he recognizes them. Wouldn't you? Can you imagine being Joseph in this moment as his brothers approach him? Well, I can. I can imagine it because I'm someone who had daydreams about those who hurt me. Just walking into my place of power, oh, I've seen their faces and I've heard their voices. Have you not dreamt of the day that the one who harmed you needed you? their time of need, the day you who had once felt so powerless finally had the power to deny them in their need or curse them or harm them, shame them before the crowd, judge them publicly for the choices they made that hurt you? Or did you imagine yourself as the bigger person, lauded for your compassion toward them, those who didn't deserve it? Hubris loves to disguise itself as mercy. I know this in myself. Joseph, he recognizes his brothers as they approach him. And this moment could have gone a great many ways had this one surprising twist not occurred. Joseph recognizes his brothers, but his brothers don't recognize Joseph. When they saw him, there was a, no reaction, just a blank stare. Joseph, he knew his brothers, recognized them. Perhaps they were the ones that had continued to live their lives untouched by trauma. And that had left them likely looking much the same. Nothing transformational had occurred here. But Joseph, he had become someone new. 
So different was he from the boy they sold that his brothers, now staring right into his eyes, did not know him. And this lack of knowing presented Joseph with an indeterminate amount of time to decide how to respond to the ones who hurt him the most. And this moment reminds me a bit of the reasons I started therapy so many years ago. Someone hurt me and I didn't know how to deal with that, but I did know that my life was at a crossroads and it was time to face the past whether I wanted to or not. All human beings experience trauma. We all live through distressing events that harm our sense of safety, of self, harm our ability to regulate our emotions and navigate our relationships. And when it comes time to reckon with them, we are often unprepared, like Joseph. And so he does what we all do, which is to react with whatever emotion grips us in the moment. And in this moment, anger and surprise lead him to accuse the strangers in the room of being spies, and he throws some of his brothers in jail. Maybe he thought it would make him feel better to have them experience what he did. I'm not sure. We don't know. All the scriptures tell us is that after he declared their jail sentences, he went away by himself and cried. Not long after, he changes his mind. He decides he's going to sell his brothers the food they need, and then he gets angry at himself that he did that. And he tells his servants to secretly put the money his brothers gave to Egypt back into their purses so he could accuse his brothers of stealing from the king. And then he throws some of them in jail again. And each time he makes another thoughtless decision that ends up hurting himself and his family, he leaves the room and he weeps. He does not know what he needs to do to heal because we never do. And healing always takes longer than we feel like it should. And while we are looking for healing in all the wrong places, places like vengeance and hubris and ego, we don't tend to treat people very well, including ourselves. We manipulate circumstances and claim it is what we need to do to survive. Trauma responses always put us into survival mode, even if, like Joseph, are one of the most powerful people in the world. So Joseph's brothers find themselves in and out of jail cells, just like Joseph, until today. This day that Joseph decides to make himself known. With a tear-soaked face, he forces words past that lump in his throat, and he tells his brothers who he is now. I am the one whom you sold, he says. And you don't even have to be worried right now. Not for your lives. You don't even have to be angry at yourselves for not recognizing me, your own brother. Because you know what I learned? God used what you did to preserve all of us. All of our lives. I used to think you did this to me. But now I see that God did this for us. God made sure that our entire family would survive the worst famine we've ever seen. You came here to buy food, but I'm not going to sell you food. 
I want you to come live here adjacent to my mansion so I can take care of you the way God took care of me all these years. And I wonder if what came out of his mouth surprised Joseph just as much as it surprised his brothers. Now, some might see Joseph's tears and hear these words and say, wow, Joseph, he really chose to be vulnerable in this moment. But there are Hebrew words that mean vulnerable, and none of them show up in this passage. Vulnerability has connotations of weakness or helplessness, this idea that we have this inability to defend ourselves, and that's not what we see in Joseph today. Joseph he finally seems to realize that he is no longer actually at the mercy of those who harmed him. He weeps in front of the ones who cause him pain, and that's not vulnerable. That is powerful. Despite the unsafe people being in the room with him, he found a safe space within himself to be himself, to feel what he felt, to say what he needed to say, Joseph made himself known to his brothers, and the only way he could do that is if he knew himself, his real self, which is not the self who lived only out of trauma. In order to own our own stories, we have to acknowledge both the trauma and the grace. We have to admit there is pain and there is healing. We have to know and own our vulnerabilities and what those look like and our own power and what that feels like. Joseph's brothers may not have changed much in those years, but Joseph changed. And in this moment, he begins living into all he had changed into he made himself known, and that knowing opened the doors to relational healing that had not been there before. Joseph fell upon his brother's necks and kissed them and wept and made himself known. Our story ends with the phrase, <clears throat> and after that, his brothers talked with him. The result of self-knowledge and self-sharing made way for real conversation to finally be had and for Joseph's family story to begin to be told in a new way. Now, I don't know your story, but I know you have one. I don't know your trauma, and I don't know where you're at with your healing. But I know that you have that to. What Joseph teaches us today is that to fully own and know our own stories, we have to take into account the whole story. There is darkness there, but there is also light and hope. If you continue to own only the pain and claim only the trauma, that those are what have made you who you are, then you will continue to live your life out of pain and trauma, and that will be your only story. But it doesn't have to be, because it's not the whole story. And I know this, because I know that God does not leave anyone in pain and trauma. 
As Joseph narrated today in his story, our God does not suck the life out of your life. Our God is a God who preserves life. Our God takes evil that has been done and uses it for our good. May we all, like Joseph, come to learn our whole stories and make ourselves known first to ourselves and then to others so that we can stop surviving our lives and truly live them.